Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Frost, and my guest today is the Irish Olympic dressage rider Heike Holstein. She's off to the European Championships in Rotterdam next week with her gorgeous dressage horse Zambuka. And Zambuka was homebred and home produced by Heike. So I wonder how she done it. Well, she's done this before, and Heike shares some of her stories and her experiences of how she's been training and riding and teaching along with running a family. It's not easy, and she explains everything on the Horse Hour podcast. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. We're heading over to Ireland today to speak to the lovely Heike Holstein, and she rides beautiful dressage for the Irish Olympic team. How are you, Heike? I'm great. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, you're very welcome. I've got I'm a bit of a sucker for the Irish accent. But I noticed that I don't know, Hiker, is that a is that an Irish name? I thought it was kind of German descent. It is. I have German parents and hence the name. And I was born in Dublin. Um so I hence the accent. <laughs> I have a I have a real we call a culture accent, which is a country <laughs> accent in Ireland. <laughs> so people are always surprised when they hear my name. And then they hear me speak. Yeah, <laughs> and no, like, absolutely. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and do your parents, do they, do they, are they fluent German? Yeah, and I, my dad died when I was 11. So my mum mm. brought us up and I speak German every day. So I'm very fluent in German. And when I speak German, I sound like a German. But when I speak English, I sound like a real Irish person. <laughs> wow. So where do you feel most at home? What would you say is your base? Ireland. Yeah, because you're born yeah. there. Yeah, and I love <laughs> Ireland. I love the, the culture here and... Um, we live in the countryside, but not far from Dublin. So we're quite central and it's just a lovely place to grow up and a lovely place to be. Mm. And it's, I find with Ireland, it's got a real community feel. Um, yeah. I kind of, and I, you'll hate me for saying this, but I'm part Welsh. So I kind of think the Welsh and the Irish just really know how to get together, don't they? And have a yeah. good party, of course. Yeah, of course. So we're good at partying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm sorry to hear about your father passing when you were so young. Was he into horses? He was a farmer. Um, and my mum came over to Ireland. They actually met in Ireland. They were both German and they met in Ireland. My mum came over to Ireland managing a stud farm for some German people. Wow. And that's and that's how they met. So, But she decided then to stay in Ireland, even though her family was in Germany, and bring us up here because it was such a lovely place to be. Mm. So, oh, good for did, her. Fantastic. Like, it was me and my brother and we ended up going to lovely schools and university and everything. So I think she worked very hard to 
bring us up as well as she could. That must be even harder for her then to think that, you know, not only has she lost her husband, but she's away from home. So to make that really brave decision to stay where she was. Yeah. God, she must be a really strong woman. Yes, she is. (laughs) If you speak to everyone who knows her, she's very strong. (laughs) And do you get some of that strength, do you think? Is that where your motivation comes from? Yes, I'm, I'm sure it's contagious <laughs> and hereditary. Um, no, I would count myself quite strong. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to be. I mean, you've got yeah. a family, you've got a husband, you're an Olympic rider. I, I mean, I struggle to even do one of those things, which is be a mum, let, let alone, yeah, you know, just doing the washing and the ironing and dealing with school runs, let alone having to work at the same time is hard enough. Hold on a minute. Yeah. Let's just throw in producing some horses and traveling the world, being an incredible rider. Uh, mm-hmm. How, how, was this the dream or did it just kind of flow like that? Always. When I was young, I did everything. I did hunter trials. I rode for the school hunter trial team. I did show jumping. I did dressage. I did showing. I won the Connemara Championship at the Dublin Horse Show. I did everything, but I never had the urge to go eventing because that scared the life out of me, the cross country <laughs> bit. And show jumping, I did up to grade C, which is kind of middle. Thing. I don't even know what that is now. That was a long time ago, but I wasn't an expert at seeing my stride. So I had a few crashes and then I always thought I want to go to the Olympics. So I was like, right, I'm going to do dressage. <laughs> so and I, I was good at the dressage, even with ponies and things. So that's how I kind of ended up only like specializing in dressage. Mm-hmm. I still jump a little bit and, you know, do a little bit of pole work with the horses and things. But uh, I always wanted to be go to the Olympics. So I was very lucky when we were younger um, my mum met a lovely lady who we introduced us to us um, from the Isle of Man and she decided to sponsor my brother and myself. So wow. that was able to fund it because it's so expensive and we couldn't wow. afford it. So that was Ballisair Stables in the Isle of Man and Mary McMillan was her name. She was a lovely lady. So that enabled us to get the horses and compete abroad and live abroad for a few years and go on the circuit. And so it's thanks to her, you know, for sponsoring us that enabled us to do it. What an amazing lady. And what does she get out of it by sponsoring, I, uh, apart from the fact that she gets to, you know, support two young, young, well, were you children? How old were you? Oh, I was, uh, I was 24 when I rode in Atlanta. So about 21, 22. It was oh, okay. no, before that. N- not quite a child. Yeah. No, not that, no, not that young. <laughs> but but she, she was just lovely. I think she just liked us and wanted to spread mm. the joy. <laughs> yeah, no, how lovely. And what was it like to yeah. have that journey with your brother, sharing that with him? Oh, fantastic. I think at the, where were we? The World Games in Jerez, we were the only brother and sister. Oh, wow. Riding. So, so it was great. Yeah, it's good. And it's, uh, we help each other still, you know, if, if, if he has a problem on the flat, I'll help him a little bit. And then he rides Sambuca the odd time as well. Um, you know, so, cause he rides very well. Um, so even though he's not in horses anymore, we still help each other. Oh, and what, what, what made him give it up, retire, I guess? Uh, well, no, he did other things. He always had a love of cars and he races cars and now does some business with cars, with collectors and things like that. So the horse game is very, very expensive, as, as you know. And it's just in Ireland, it's even more expensive because you have to travel very a long way, an expensive way to go to competitions. And he just couldn't afford it. Hmm. And see, with jumpers, you need a whole string of horses. With dressage, you can go to shows with one horse. Oh, so he was different. a show jumper. He was, yeah, he's a show jumper. So he had um, one horse, um, the sponsorship deal ran its course. And then he had one horse, which was amazing, and but found it hard to get into shows, you know, with one horse because they'd mm-hmm. rather invite somebody with more horses if you're a show jumper. 
So he just went down another other avenues. But he loves the car racing. He's very good at that. He's won many, you know, say a supercar championship here, and he's in the lead in the Fiesta Championship and oh, wow. a few twenty-four hour drives in Europe and stuff, and won. So. I mean, he's very good at that. <laughs> so yeah, he sounds amazing. So I, I'm seeing a, a theme through his life, which is adrenaline. He loves yes. quite the adrenaline junkie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we're a bit different that way. I'm not as good a driver. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice that he's still involved. You know that he comes in like he still and helps help Sambuca, who's your current horse. Is 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 she the mare that you've bred to to go on to be an Olympic horse? Well, it wasn't meant to be like that. It was a bit lucky. She's the first horse I've bred, and I had a lovely mare who looked like a gelding and uh, I wanted to uh, breed from her. And my mom had seen Samarant, her father, her sire in Germany at a show or something at a stallion. She said, oh, I've seen a really nice stallion. And I was like, ah, sure, go. We'll, do, we'll do that then. <laughs> and Sambuca came out and she was a bit of an ugly duckling till she was about six or seven. Like I have videos of her five-year-old. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> what am I sitting on? But she always felt amazing. She's so powerful and willing to learn you know, at five, she won the prelim championship in Ireland. And at nine, oh, she was wow. going Grand Prix. She won the national championship at Grand Prix. <gasps> wow, my goodness. Yeah, she's like a sponge. She just loves working and learning stuff. And she's very clever. And uh, yeah, so just she's kind of through riding her for, the la- for all the years and remuscling her. She now looks kind of pretty where she <laughs> always had a big head and a bit of an ugly neck and an ugly back. And, you know, but she always felt amazing. So I always <laughs> felt like this is a Grand Prix horse. Um. And now she is. <laughs> oh my goodness. How old is she now? She's 10. Uh, so that's a, that's a long time. You know, these, these, I often wonder for people that say, oh, I'm, I'm going to go and do it in a couple of years. You need to buy a horse. You can't, it takes so much time to produce a horse to any level. Yeah. Part of me feels sometimes when I hear of the young horse competitions, like the five-year-olds oh. and six-year-olds, I do wonder how developed they are at that stage. And if they're ready to be, to be riding like that, what do you think? Oh. Well, I only speak from my own experience. Zambuca wouldn't have been ready to do those competitions at mm. five or six. Or she did prelim at five and I think novice and elementary at six. But some of those, the six-year-old international test, I think is harder. Mm. I think it's kind of medium level, isn't it? I think there might be flying changes in it. So oh, really? she, she wouldn't be ready for that. She wouldn't have been ready for that um, at her age. Um, yeah, but I didn't, I bred her. I can't afford to buy a ready-made Grand Prix horse. So the horse before that I made and the horse before that I made. So I, I can train a horse and, you know, they, you have, they have to be talented. There's a lot of luck involved, you know, that they mm-hmm. stay sound and don't get injured. And um, so it's just kind of come together, which is fantastic. You know, Isn't it more right. amazing to know yeah. that you've created that? So when you're you're seeing, you're watching your videos back, think, do you ever think, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this? I know. <laughs> I know. I can't believe I'm going to the European Championships on a horse that a few years ago wouldn't enter an arena. I was running backwards and spooking of everything. <laughs> yeah, she's a bit of a cow sometimes. <laughs> Typical sharp mare. How, yeah. how did you get her through those moments? Because I'm sure there's times when you, you wanted, to, well, are there? Were there times when you thought, I'm, you know, this isn't going to work? No. I, Were I you never? Really? Wow. <laughs> okay. Because I knew she she always felt so this is going to be a Grand Prix horse and they weren't, it's nothing major. You know, she, she wasn't trying to book me off. She wasn't napping or something. It was just greenness and she's a little bit strong willed as well, mm-hmm. which is, I always knew if I get that strong willed on my team fighting with me, we're in business. 
And when she was younger, it was a little bit against me in a not in a harmless way, like nothing, nothing bad. So I was never scared. You know, she never did anything against me personally. Mm. So Eric helped a lot. And then we brought her to an awful lot of places and she got more confident. It was probably lack of confidence as well. And so she's got more confident and we still have to do that. You know, once or twice a week, I bring her somewhere before a major competition um, she's only done a few international shows and we don't have that atmosphere in Ireland. We might have two or three spectators and that's your mother and your children <laughs> at a show in Ireland. And then you go to somewhere like Athen last week where there's a couple of, a few thousand, I, can't, I don't even know how many were there, but it was amazing and she was so well behaved. Was she? Because so, how did her, does that not blow her brain if she's not no, used to that environment? No, she was amazing. She nearly bowed on the way out <laughs> to the crowd. She <laughs> walked out on a long rain with I don't know how many people that stadium holds it must be 5,000 or more I must check and they're all clapping and she just walked out on a long rain loved it oh loved it. good for her and, and there's no yeah. chill in her there's no supplements to keep her calm oh god no, no. <laughs> amazing no. what, what no. do you feed her do you mind me asking um, I feed red mills red okay. mills feed and she's a very very fussy feeder so I, if I wanted to give her anything I couldn't tell you where she wouldn't eat it <laughs> um, so she's only eats um, horse care 10 nuts and now at the moment in Aachen she I don't know why but she wouldn't eat a lot in Aachen mm. I, I don't know why maybe because there was no grass you know it's kind of a concrete jungle out there and she's used to being out in the field at home so she didn't eat a lot when we were out there so we're playing around with different feeds now so Kirsty from Red Mills came yesterday and brought all different feeds and uh, she's kind of she likes to eat a little bit of one feed then she moves to a little bit of another feed and a little bit of another feed so it's like she wants different tastes and different textures Mm. so I think we have to give her a bit of a buffet every meal (laughs) (laughs) like a pick and mix she sounds quite um what's the word high maintenance (laughs) no she's a bit of a diva we call her the queen ah I see (laughs) But it, it, do you think it could be part of the move and the fact that she's not used to those environments that are giving her a bit of a dicky tummy? Maybe she doesn't feel like she wants. Because when I'm nervous, I don't want to eat either. Yeah, but she's not nervous at home. So I, I don't. She doesn't feel nervous. You see at a show, mm. so you know I can go out in the warm up and everywhere and walk around a long rain and she's relaxed. So I don't know if it's just the being away from home a little bit. But she's done a few trips now. I don't really know. Um, I think she's just a little bit picky. Mm. she always has been she's never been greedy when it comes to food you know she does eat one nut at a time mm. so but sure well, the special ones are always a bit special aren't they they are they are trial and error and I'd rather she was a picky eater than a bucker and a rear so you know exactly there, there isn't a bad bone in her body <laughs> do you think there's an element of her where you've bred her she's known you since she was born yeah. um do you still see those though that trust that she has from when she was little to now or yeah. as she gets more confident is it a little bit like your children flying the nest uh, no, I, th- I, re- I know her like the back of my hand, I think. And she trusts me, I think. So when we're riding together at a show and stuff, the, if you watch it on Clip My Horse, the commentator even comments on the uh, communication we have together. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it, but I, I, when, I watch, when I watch it and listen to the commentator, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, from an outsider, there is that thing. But I kind of talk to her a little bit, even though I know I shouldn't, <laughs> in a competition you know, very quietly. Um, so I, I think she does 
100% trust me and I trust her because we're together so long. Like we're like an old married couple, aren't we? <laughs> it's true. It's true. I just see I've got a yearling. And yeah. um, and, and again, I, I've got no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> it's kind of trial and error. And and yeah. so far, so good. Um, yeah. But as I'm seeing him grow and develop and become more bold, he's so bold. He's not afraid of anything. Um, and I think he's going to be a jumper, even though dressage. I hate jumping. I'm afraid of it. Uh, but it would be that he, you know, he's jumping the water bucket at the moment to get to his food. He's like, oh, he's yeah, definitely yeah. going to be a jumper. Yeah. Um, and then there are moments where I see that he's not really quite sure on something and he'll run to me. And yeah. I don't know whether that's my motherly instinct that I love that so much. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know yeah. whether it's a natural, oh, okay, I'll make it okay. But yeah. also it's nice that he trusts me that much to know that he's safe. You know, silly things like I took his fly mask off the other day and all the flies were irritating him so much. So he just put his head in my lap. As if to say, oh. oh, fix it, please. It's so, it's so oh. lovely, isn't it? Oh, it's like, really lovely, yeah. I just hope that he'll keep that as he gets older and as he gets bolder and braver and, you know, more independent. Yeah. The moments that he won't, doesn't want, or he's a little bit nervous about going into an arena or there's lots of flags or whatever, that he will listen and turn to me. And if I say it's okay, he'll be okay. Yeah. And I think that's, I think every rider should have that bond with their horse. You know, we're, we're not just their rider, we're their mentor, we're their you know, like a, a parent with a child and mm. like a teacher in school. You know, we have many jobs. We're not just the rider. Mm. We have many hats that we wear. So go, moving on to children then, what was it like for you having, you know, having a family and, and having to continue to travel the world and train the horses? How did you cope when you first had your baby? Well, I didn't. You see, I had a kind of a 12 year gap in my international riding. So I bred the horse and bred two children. <laughs> Good strategy. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so um so the the kids of course come first and uh I think with when you're in horses or probably in many um sporting things there's always the, the ticking clock when you're a woman and you want to have kids but there's never a right time because no. there is no rest time in horses you know the, the circuit goes on all year so you have to say right okay I'm going to make time now and then of course it has to happen <laughs> so but I always wanted kids so I had two kids, stopped the competing because I didn't have a horse. I sold my Grand Prix horse that I had made um, when I got pregnant with the first child. Um, so, and then I was just waiting for Zambuca to grow up. And what were you doing in that time? So I teach an awful lot. I still do. Um, I teach lots of show jumpers, eventers, riding club, pony club, love teaching. Mm. So I've always taught, I taught the young rider eventing team for the last seven years and this year as well. So eight years now. And in those seven years, we won five medals. Oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah. And, and I just and I was bringing Zambuca up and riding a few other horses and competing nationally. She's won a national championship every, every year wow. from when she was five. So and she's the same age as my youngest child. He just turned 10. So, and <laughs> so I had are you other saying to him, come on, you've got to win some awards. Yeah. If a horse can do it, what are you doing? Well, <laughs> that rugby, come on, run down the wing a little bit faster. <laughs> yeah. I need some medals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I've always done the both. I just haven't been on the international circuit. Mm. So now, so so now, yeah, and you've cracked it last year. So what are you expecting this year? Well, European championships are next, so we Mm -hmm. leave for that just after Dublin now. Um, And I haven't really thought any further than that. That's been the aim for the last year, is to you know get her to Grand Prix at the end of last year, get it more secure. It takes a year or two to get that. So we're still in the process of doing that and then get qualified at the beginning of the year, which we did. So it's just been a step-by-step mm-hmm. process um, 
to get I here. Think but we I think we forget that yeah. sometimes, Heiko. I think we, you know, we almost forget about the competitions until they arrive and they're on our TV. And then we think, oh my goodness, how on earth did they do that? It's like you click your fingers and suddenly you're at an international show. And oh. it's very easy to forget that you're at competitions so often to even qualify to get to that stage. And, and we often talk about the work that goes into it and the effort that goes into it. But I also feel that sometimes as mums, we don't pay attention to the guilt that goes with it, the time that we're away from the family and, yeah. you know, dragging the kids all around the country in a horse box, you know, yeah. going, come on, go play, you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, and did you ever battle with that at times? Of, Huge. Of feeling, really? <laughs> Huge. Yeah. And even before I was competing abroad again, just going teaching away. You know, I have, but I have a really good backup system. I have the lady helping me who was our nanny when we were kids. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so she, she's on her second round, <laughs> her second generation. And she is amazing. You know, uh, um, I wouldn't be able to go away if it wasn't for her. And I have my, my mom and my mother-in-law and everyone kind of chips in a little bit. And now the kids are a bit older. And as my oldest one says, he's got the common sense, <laughs> which leaves occasionally. But I can bring them with me. So they've been to Bowlesworth and they've been in Aachen and they'll probably come to Rotterdam as well. And they're quite good, you know, and I think it's good for them as well. You know, they get to see an awful lot. They, on the way home from Aachen, they were in five countries in one day, you know, briefly, mm. but they, they were. Mm. And they get to meet other kids and experience other things. So, And they have a about- sense of freedom, I think. They get taught responsibility, as we know, with horses anyway. But, you know, how incredible to, to be able to travel the world at such a young age. And no doubt they won't, um, they won't appreciate it because they're only five. So they don't realise, it's not until they look back that they'll realise how lucky they are. Yeah. But I, I kind of feel a bit yeah. sorry well, for them. Well, they're 10 and 12. Oh, okay. So they're they, 10, they, 10 and 12, yeah. They're understanding now, yeah. but I, I I I do kind of feel a bit sorry for them. I I've got a little six year old stepson, and um, he he's yeah the horses are okay, but you know they're not great. He prefers motorbikes, yeah. and, you know, and fast things. Yeah. So I'm trying to find things that get them involved. So we yeah. tried horseboarding. What's that? So oh it's so cool um it's skateboarding off the back of a horse oh wow so i ride the horse and i pull him with a long rope and a skateboard you want to play a horse <laughs> yeah, i have I, oh he's a uh, my horse is amazing he he's yeah. it's his job is to be a nanny basically and he's great and so you have these mountain boards and as they get older um they can start going across fields and they can jump a bit like wakeboarding behind a yeah, horse right. and this was amazing because it's now got him into horses and um, so he went into school and said oh i you know i went horseboarding this weekend and no one believed him because they said you can't do things like that and that's sometimes I feel for our kids because they're having all these experiences but they're so off the wall experiences yeah. <laughs> that the teachers and the kids don't believe them so we have to now yeah. take photos and say no 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 and now they all want to go horseboarding I'm sure they do <laughs> that sounds so really say- fun I've got a friend of mine that's uh, an incredible instructor. She has children as well. And, and that's where I, I, I understand about the guilt of being away is she's always she's saying, I feel so bad. I'm away teaching and, and I want to spend that time with my children. Um, but, you know, we, as working mums, we've got to do what we can do. And, you know, you're giving them the best life, an incredible life and still managing to live one of your dreams as well. Um, but the, the funniest thing I find is that with other people's children, are you the same, Heike? When you're teaching, you're like, right, this is what you do. You're okay. You'll be fine. You give them loads of confidence. But when they're her kids, she's a quivering wreck. <laughs> she's going, don't go too fast. Not too fast. He'll be okay. <laughs> Are you the same? Do you find it's, your... It's worse watching 
even any pupils at a big competition because you're you don't have any control when you're on the horse it's your you're in control or mostly mm-hmm. in control and if you make a mistake it's your fault but we were at um just before Aachen I was at the European Young Rider Eventing Championships in Holland and helping the team there teaching the flat work and you're watching them going oh my god oh my god <laughs> just in the dressage because you're hoping it all goes so well for them they put in so much work mm-hmm. um so it's a little bit like your own kids you know the the anyone you teach I think you feel kind of responsible and you want them to do so good and um, so you're nervous not you're nervous in that kind of a way not nervous that something's going to happen mm-hmm. but nervous that you want it to go well for them you seem very happy and um and and really very uh, you've got a positive attitude which is so lovely but i find a lot of kids and i and i'm gonna sound really (laughs) it's gonna sound really bad but a lot of young people are a little bit negative and take it all very seriously and i know there's a lot of money involved but how can we get them to think be happy about it be excited and less nervous and uh serious because I feel that when they're happy and relaxed, it tends to go much better. Yeah. But with the nervous, stressed, oh, angsty kind of attitude, it, it maybe doesn't go so well. But I think that's the te- the coach's job. You know, you're not just teaching. You have many hats also. It's like the relationship between me and the horse. It's the same with the me and the pupil. You're also their motivator. It's your job to make them feel confident, to make them feel relaxed so that they're not nervous. Um, I think we have many we have many hats as coaches, whether mm. you're coaching a horse or coaching a person, not just spewing information out. Absolutely, you know, so, and it surprises me that not that more people like you aren't psychologists. <laughs> I think we are. Yeah. <laughs> we are. We just don't have the the piece of paper saying we're not. We are. Yeah. But I think we are. Absolutely. Yeah. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And what would you say, this is a bit of a tough question now because I am putting you on the spot, but are there are there, are there standard things that you tend to say to your, your students quite regularly that, that maybe we could share with our listeners? Other than heels down, sit down, 
lean uh, back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it depends. I, I teach such a wide variety of people that do a lot of different disciplines. Um, but of course, there's common factors. There's um, ride your horse a little bit rounder comes up a lot. Don't pull on the left rein is a common one because most people pull on the left rein harder than on the right rein. Mm. I don't know why. And uh, all over the world. Really? <laughs> probably say that in many languages. Yeah, there's only, I, call, I have about two or three pupils that I call my freaks of nature that pull on the right <laughs> harder than on the left, even though people are left-handed or right-handed. It's, it's weird. Oh, they could, I feel like there should be a, you know, a scientific um, study based on that. I wonder <laughs> if it's because we feel heavier on the right, because I sit quite heavy on the left. My bottom kind of lean, I tend to lean to the left a little bit more. So it might be that, or it could be that we're overcompensating because we feel stronger in the right. I, don't, I think every horse is uneven and I think every person is uneven as well. And mm. then sometimes the rider feeds off the horse or the horse feeds off the rider. So the if the rider is quite crooked, it can make the horse crooked. And if the horse is quite crooked, it can make the rider crooked. Mm. Yeah, so you have to straighten them both out, but you have to see on the day, do you straighten the rider first? Is he the cause of the problem or do you straighten the horse first? And that makes the rider straight. What do you do? So, well, you have to see what you get. You know, it depends. <laughs> it depends on who's there at that moment sometimes it's the the horse and sometimes it's the rider that you have to fix mm. first so, so when you're when you're when you're training horses for dressage and, and, and the young ones uh, where do you pick up your training techniques from is it all from is it from classical dressage is it all from dressage or do you take elements of other disciplines too uh, experience and having tried things that don't work mm. and tried things that do work and yes, from all from all disciplines, I think you learn so much every day. You never stop learning and you learn from other people and you learn from other horses, riding other horses in different places. You learn things. I think we can never stop learning. And I think I just file away anything that's useful in my head and anything that's not useful or didn't work. I shelve that a little bit. And then you, you know, like having a file of facts in your head. So when you come across a horse or a person, you have the problem, you go back to Where's that file? I'll pick that out. <laughs> and then you have a plan A and a plan B and a plan C. And you know what? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You do something else. Because I hear so much so. it's natural for you, you know, for, for riders at your level. It's just a natural instinct. But I kind of don't believe that. I think it's a learned instinct. You, you've had to it's, have learned it's it. It's experience point. as well. Mm. Experienced. You know, you, you can't beat experience. And now I'm older and wiser. And I think I ride better now than I did 10 years ago. Because I have mm. 10 years more experience yeah true so, true not just competition experience but riding other horses and they all they're all different they all have different temperaments they all have different experiences they all have different talents you know so they're like people they're very individual so you can't ride them all the same the hardest thing is the basics i really struggle sometimes yes. with just staying straight and you know yeah you hear move forward go forward more go faster forward and i'm like okay well i am but i'm still wonky <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, and, and it, it's, sometimes I feel it's hard to move on to the next level, whatever that level may be. Um, you know, whether it's upper grade or whether it's just moving into moving sideways. What do you call yeah. that? I can never remember Leggy what it's called. Thank you, leg yielding. For some reason, I've got a I've got a mental block when it comes to leg yielding. Shoulder in, travers. I know the word travers, but I never know what it means. I have to ask all the time. What's travers? Yeah. It's when the horse moves forward, sideways along the track. So its front end is along the track and it's where you sit from behind, from you to its tail comes in. So it's like a banana moving along the track. Oh, nice. Thank you. I feel like but if a you, diagram. If you do travers and half pass and ronvere are the exact same movement. They just have three different names because they're in three different places. Are you kidding? 
Can't we just say half past on the line, half past going sideways and half past going the other direction? (laughs) If you're doing travair on the right rein and you keep the horse in that shape and do it down the diagonal, it's half past. And if you keep it in that shape and do it on the left rein, it's called wrong there. And if you do it on a circle, it's a pirouette. The horse is in the same position. They all give it different names. So it really doesn't matter what you're doing on your horse as long as the horse is doing what you want it to do. You don't need to put a label on it. The reason I ask about different disciplines is because I've been really lucky doing these interviews to to speak to a lot of different riders that have yeah. different disciplines. And I do find there's a lot that we can take from different areas. I mean, oh, yeah. dressage is the base, isn't it? It's yeah. the, the absolute root of athleticism, I believe, and yeah. um, the foundations for then going on to doing other things. It's my belief. I'm sure it's yours because you're a dressage rider. But um, it was interesting. I was at the New Forest show yesterday and I was looking at the carriage driving and the uh, the heavy horses. So they've got the really big heavy horses that used to carry the beer and things like that. And yeah. I was watching the horse's legs and they move sideways on the spot. They, they turn, they pivot and they yeah. cross over their legs. And I have never seen a horse cross over like that, that well. Right. My- and that was in a carriage. That was with a carriage. So wow. basically to turn the carriage, they have to walk crossover sideways. Like a walk and pirouette. Exa- exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. even for all the competitions and all the international shows. And and I think maybe we need to go back a little bit to carriage driving <laughs> and go back to basics and say, we could actually learn. And it's probably how they do that. It's probably because the carriage is holding them still a little bit and stopping them from yeah. being able to move forward yeah. and pivot but these horses legs were crossed so far over and I just thought wow that's pretty amazing how they do that yeah yeah the carriage driving is is amazing but I think dressage didn't dressage come from war you know the, the horses had to do the movements be really obedient and brave to be able to fight mm. and I think a lot of it is necess- like you're talking about leg yielding if you want to open a gate you're going to have to move the horse over one or two strides that's mm. leg yielding Mm. to open the gate and the same with closing it or just getting your coat off and upright or something you just move it over one two steps so I think a lot of people do dressage when they don't even know they're doing dressage mm. yeah you know, and this got this attitude of it being boring I'm like no are you kidding it's like it's being feeling at one with the horse isn't it yes and just it's just control I think obviously as you go up the grades and there's more things to do it does get a little bit more exciting and um, because there's more things you can play with your horse with more exercises to do and things like that but no it's not boring (laughs) I think it's our job to make it interesting (laughs) I agree do you think is there an element of um when we're learning we're in a school all the time um but but it wasn't until I got my own horse that I realized actually I can do a lot of this stuff out hacking I can have fun I can you know leg yield down the road singing to my own songs and you know it just feels you've got this sense of freedom freedom that you can have fun with them whilst schooling at the same time yeah yeah and that's that's very important and we have to you know people say that eventers are show jumpers to me does your horse not get bored because it's not jumping mm-hmm. and I make it no my job is to keep it interested in the movements so you don't drill them every day in all the dressage movements you we have to think of ways to keep them supple and keep them um interested in the sport because they have to want to do it you can't mm. force a horse to do it. You have mm. to teach them all the bits and pieces and get them to enjoy it and want to do it and look happy while they're doing it. Mm. Have you had any moments where kind of like, oh, no moments, a little bit scary experiences that you could share with us? Yeah, I've, oh, I've had a few. <laughs> I've, uh, I had I was booked off a few years ago at a dressage show and broke my arm. 
Uh, yeah, that's the only board I've ever broken, but I guess <laughs> that can be dangerous. <laughs> oh, I've had a few, a lot of funny moments, you know, when I was younger, um, riding a pony in a competition in an indoor, and then I was going across the diagonal in a medium trot, and the sun shone in a hole in the roof right in front of him, and he stopped. I went head over heels <laughs> onto the ground in front. I had to get back up and continue down the diagonal again. <laughs> so, oh, there's the, lots of things, but yeah, only broken an arm once. Yeah. But, uh, well, I feel like I don't want to ask you anymore because I don't want to jinx you at this time. <laughs> but, um, but, but, what do you do? What do you do with Sambuca to make it fun with her? Oh, we go lots of places. Yeah, mm-hmm. so once a week or twice a week, I go somewhere to different venues, and there can be there's a, a show venue near here that has four or five arenas. There's jumps in it lots of jumps and just riding around those up and down hill and where we live there's a big main road so we can't go hacking so I kind of do that in other places um and and that she likes and then just in the daily work you know doing a lot of the movements in fun interesting ways that aren't like in the competition aren't like in the test because at the Grand Prix it's the same Grand Prix every show Mm. the special is the same Grand Prix special every show so you just make up movements it's a bit like dancing you know dancing with somebody you're all over the you're all over the the dance floor (laughs) so not just in a straight line and doing what's in the test and and do you do you ride a lot to music at home no you 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 don't but but you have to do a music um a music test don't you so do you not do you I just imagine practicing with music quite a lot to get them used to that and 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 the feel because it's down to the horse's beat isn't it the horse's movements is then what you relate to the the track to um yes but the the horse's rhythm is kind of the same mine is anyway every time I trot it's the same trot Mm. It's the same rhythm. So you do your dressage test first, you do your layout and then you video the test. And then I got a lovely girl, a local girl, Linia Larkin. She put the music to it. So she finds a music that matches the rhythm of the horse. And then we don't really practice riding with the music. But then when you're at a show and there's a lot of announcers and things, it's kind of the same thing. You Mm. know, they have to get used to the loud noise. And then there would often be music playing at shows anyway. Mm. You know, during the Grand Prix in Aachen, there was music playing. It wasn't cure music, but it was music. Um, but I wouldn't ride with music at home. You know, we have a big outdoor and I have no way of getting music mm. to it. Um, um, you mentioned the word cure. But is that dressage? Yes, that is okay. the, one of the tests that we have to do where we do a test to music. So what, so the reason that you just sparked something in my memory is there is a lot on Facebook at the moment about this roll cur and oh, some that's yeah. yeah no 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 I know so it's the it's the when they pull the horse's head down right down to their their knees is that could you explain what roll cur is I, I it's I think another word for it is hyperflexion mm. so it's when the horses are too overbent you know their head is kind of in kind of between their knees you know and and too too deep and forced inwards it looks really uncomfortable doesn't it so there seems to be a a, quite a huge campaign for uh, some of these international riders that are that are doing this that are holding their horses heads in and they're getting a lot of abuse on social media and and I'm just wondering if being riding in that environment if you get to see much of that happen and if you can really do anything about it 
because I'm the sort of person that wouldn't be able to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah. I couldn't, you know, if I he- see someone whacking a horse, you know, or, or abusing it, I can't, yeah. I can't turn the other eye. I, I, I have to say something. Yeah, I wouldn't see a lot of that. You know, and the shows I've been at this year, I haven't seen anyone do that. But mm. at all the international shows, there are FEI stewards and they are in the warm up. We can only ride when there is an FEI steward present. So their job is to watch for that. And they would reprimand the rider if they thought they were doing that so that other riders don't feel the responsibility for that. Oh, well, that's really good to know. Oh, I'm, and I'm pleased to know that because we don't know. I think I need to interview someone from the FEI to understand the rules behind it. Because, Maybe an um, FEI steward. Yeah. Um, you know, and there'd be a few in Britain that, and they, a lot of them steward um, at a many shows. Um, so Dan was in Windsor and in Bowlesworth. He's British. He'd be a good one. He, and so they, their job is to know all the rules. They have to know the length of our spurs, the length of our whip. And they watch all the time that, you know, you can't just go and beat your horse. They would give you, a, I think there's yellow cards and red cards and, you know, like a bit like in football. Yeah. Warnings. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody wants to do that to their horses. So I haven't seen that happening in the public domain. Mm. That's really good to hear. Okay, so yeah. um, t- please tell us a little bit more about Sambuca then. So your your strategy for the next few months, when do you go to the Europeans? Sunday week. Monday oh week. my goodness. Yeah. Like, literally like any day. <laughs> yeah, in, a, in about 12, 10, uh, 10 days. Where are they? 10 days. In Rotterdam. And the jumping Europeans are on at the same time. So how are you going to get and there? Are Paris. you driving? Are you driving? I'm driving, yeah. Are I you driving a... the horse box or do you, yeah, do you have a friend? Yeah. Yeah, I'm driving and either my husband will help me or my brother will help me drive out because I'm not very good at staying awake for long periods of time. I had to drive home from Aachen on my own with the two kids. So they kept me awake, wrestling in the back. Um, But I had to buy a lorry for Zambuca as well um, because she didn't like traveling in a trailer. She got a fright one day. A lorry came up right behind me and slammed on the horn. Oh, no. They're buggers. Yeah, big cement truck. So she got a fright in that. So I have a big lorry and she has three partitions in it and she loves it. What happened when he when he when he put the horn on? You know the way they go right behind you in a trailer, like mm. uh, blew the horn. Oh, she panicked. She jumped around, and then you know the trailers are kind of flimsy, and they move around a bit. And uh, luckily, it was at the top of our avenue, so I had to take her out and I led her home. But then the next time I was in the trailer, and a lorry overtook her. You know, came close. She was a bit frightened and wary, and it just kind of escalated and got worse and worse and worse. Mm. So in the lorry, she feels safe. Yeah, good. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I can't believe that you're driving all the way, you know, to different countries with a trailer. I don't even want to go down the road with a tra- <laughs> trailer. Yeah, no, you're not so going good. in a lorry. <laughs> yeah. But I have, done, I have done it with a trailer. With my last horse before I had the kids, I drove to Slovenia with a trailer, with a Jeep and trailer on my own. It took three days. Mm, and we had so no good. Google Maps. I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> in those days, <laughs> reading a map. Yeah, yeah. So you, you do what you have to do, don't you? Like, you know, of course you do. Where do you stay when you do those trips? Well, now you can stay in the horse box, but when you had a trailer, did you did you have to find stables to stay out on the route? Or Yeah, you'd organise all that beforehand. So there are a lot of places around where you can stay. So if we're going to Europe now, we'll stay somewhere near Dover. So we're driving one day from here to Dover, and then the next morning, then we'll get the ferry Dover Calais and continue on. And if you're going further afield, you'd only do about maybe six, seven, eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um oh hi could come to pool don't go to dover go to pool and i'm like 40 minutes from there come and stay at my house you don't need to stay <laughs> is there, in the is there ferry crossings from pool yes is i there? don't know where in france but i think yeah we've got pool or weymouth 
Nice. So um, I'm, have, a, have a Google, come stay at mine. Oh, I'd love to meet Zambuka. You wouldn't be allowed to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, well, thank I'm you. so excited for you. And are the kids going with you? I don't even know their yes. name. I feel so rude. Jake what? and Archie. Jake, Jake and Archie. Yeah, yeah. Fabulous. So Jake oh, and Archie yeah. going with you? Yes, because uh, their school starts again the week after we get the week we get back. So it's their last hurrah, <laughs> their last oh. holiday. Yeah. And and do they have jobs now? Do they help? Do they help you groom and get Sambuca ready? And yes, ish. <laughs> Sometimes they make more mess than they try to clean up. But um, oh, they're quite happy just wandering around and looking at things and going off and buying a bit of popcorn and. Yeah. So then, your team then, how how big's your team that will be going? It's you, your husband, your brother, your your two children. Jake well, my brother would probably, if he helps me fly out, because my husband might have to work, he'll fly home again. If he helps me drive out, my brother. Right. So because my husband works, he's an accountant. So he mightn't get enough days off. He wants to come to the extra competition. So yeah. he might not have time to drive me out. So my brother might be called into duty then. But he'll and, fly home again. And no grooms? I'm the groom. How can we need I, to so get I, you help? How can you do no, this by yourself? Because <laughs> I would be bored otherwise. Like with one horse, it's easy. I do it all myself at home anyway. We only have, I only have three horses and we have a few ponies for the kids and we do it all ourselves. We have a quite a small private yard. And um, so people come here for lessons and leave again. We don't have any liveries or anything. And I do all the mucking out and everything mm. myself. So I'm used to doing that. Mm. Um, and I love doing it. And I think that helps the communicate, the uh, what's the word? Um, connection between the horse and the rider. I do everything for her. Like I get her feeds, I muck her out, I give her her hay, travel with her on the boat and stuff. So the trust, I think, is more than if I just arrive and ride. Oh, well, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. I, oh, my goodness. Please, will you phone us afterwards and let us know how you get on? Or oh, send a video. I'd love to see a video of, of you and Sabuka. Can we watch yeah. it on TV? We must be able to. There must be a way. It's on... There's a lot on Clip My Horse, and I'm sure Rotterdam will be on something, mm. um, the Europeans. I'm sure it'll be on a lot of TV channels or FEI TV or something like that. Sure get it'll be Archie and Jake to put up a banner so that they get yeah. on TV too. Go, oh, Mummy! <laughs> <laughs> ride, Mummy, ride! Yeah. <laughs> Hold oh, on! Love it. Yeah, no, it's very you. exciting and can't wait. And we have a team coming, so it'll be great. Yeah, and it was the first time we had a team in Aachen this year as well, ever. So the aim is Tokyo then? The aim is Tokyo yes. next year? Yeah. So we need to qualify a team a team place at Rotterdam at the Europeans. And how do you know if you qualified? What, what do you need to get? So I think there are five teams not qualified and two spaces available. So the best two teams out of those five get a slot after the Grand Prix. That's kind of the Nations Cup. Oh, I'm really bad with the point system. So can you yeah, just so let I, us know? <laughs> I'd have to let you know. Um, there's other people much, because I've been out of the loop for so long. Um, Judy Reynolds' husband, Patrick, is fantastic at this. He knows, he's very good at all the statistics and things. Um, so he knows exactly, you know, all the teams, what they've been getting, what scores they've been getting, what scores we need to get. We need to beat them on the day, obviously. Mm. Um, so that's what our aim is, is to qualify a team for Tokyo. Oh, amazing. Well, fingers crossed for you. Best of luck. Yeah, everything and, crossed. Um, we'll, we'll phone Patrick then and say, right, give us an update. Yeah. <laughs> Find well, out how we do it. Be, you know, I think the Grand Prix is Monday and Tuesday. So Tuesday evening, it'll be just, it'll, it'll be known. Okay. So, so, yeah. <gasps> Good luck, Kaika. 
Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. I hope your husband does manage to get out there to see you ride. If he doesn't, then I think he needs to give up his job. Like, seriously. Yeah. No, he wouldn't be coming to see And, yeah, give Zambuka an, an extra carrot for us um, because I think I I'm in love with her. She's, she's special. She's, a, she's a, such a diva. <laughs> How can we follow you on social media? Are you on? I'm on Facebook. So I have Heike Holstein Dressage on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, but I have a friend of mine doing my Instagram because I cannot get the <laughs> So she's she's she puts up my Instagram posts. It's it's good just to see your photos and see what you're up to behind the scenes yeah. and you know any little clips. I think it's so important to love what you do. You know, yeah. I think horses is a passion, and you have to get up in the morning and look forward to riding and look forward to working and um, and look forward to teaching. So that's what I want to do now. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks a million. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can hear all previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk. And as always, you can have them downloaded straight to your mobile phone. If you hit subscribe on iTunes, Acar, Stitcher, Player FM, and of course, Spotify. While you're on Spotify, you can listen to our own hacking playlist. I quite enjoy hacking to the music that that we've uploaded on there and we've liked. And you can actually add your own music as well if there's a particular song then it's all collaborative so just click add to add to the playlist it's quite fun on a sunny day we've got a winter hacking playlist as well if you want a little bit more somber music um but do enjoy that and i hope you're enjoying time spending time with your horses as always i love being tagged in your photos and your videos and all the competitions that you're heading to and all the little fun times that you have with them so don't forget to tag us i'm at amy stevenson one yeah my name is still amy frost but my handler is my maiden name so Amy Stevenson one and of course at horse hour hashtag horse hour hope you have a really great week with your horse and I'll speak to you soon even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about quince they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe ethical and responsible manufacturing elevate your style without the elevated price tag with quince go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.